Hey, Dame. Yo. Do you happen to have any idea who this episode is brought to you by? Oh, I think I have a clue. I think I know. <laughs> this episode of Ergo is brought to you by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. And if you know Ergo, we love independent and we love shit not being locked down. So <laughs> so go ahead and get Overcast for free on the App Store. Hey. Hello. <laughs> this is Ergo. It is. It is. I'm Kiss. I am Damon. And what we do here is showcase the folks reshaping the culture of our city and world. You know what? I'm going to go back. I've decided that I think I'm, I'd like to propose a shift. Uh, we move from showcasing the folks to what we do here is reshape our city and world for the more equitable and creative. Yes. Get that passive voice. Get that verb out of here. We're doing it. I affirm that vote. My vote is yay. We're having process in public. We're making that change. Everybody mark the note. This was the end of the showcase. <laughs> what we do here is reshape the culture of Chicago and beyond for the more equitable and creative. We are here doing it. And this is an example. We we are talking to a phenomenal human being, just a, just a sturdy, sturdy guy. Add to the MC, mentor, the program director and creator of Haven Studios. And to that point, to that edit that we just made, that, that that's in form with the content of one of the things we talk about is how do we do this work and show up for young people without it being a performance or without having something to prove and it being really rooted in the relationships that are needed. So I am so down for getting rid of the showcase because <laughs> Ad 2 is teaching us that we don't need to showcase our work. We just need to do it. So we continue our mentorship suite with Ad 2. We had him on way back September 2015. He was the guest on episode number 10 of Ergo. And it was such a joy to see the ways he's grown, come into himself, uh, and really wholeheartedly stepped into this mentorship role. And we get to talk about some of the joys, challenges, and you know, unique possibilities of that role. He's showing how to mobilize resources. One of the important things that we want to make sure we highlight that we mentioned at the end uh, is that when pandemic started, began mobilizing, you know, a high tech kind of mutual aid effort <laughs> where <laughs> he was getting microphones and interfaces to young people that had been doing this recording work and it became a, a part of their life to make sure that that work continued with pandemic. And so we're going to shout that out at the end. And, and we want to definitely highlight that if folks can support that effort, that's really important work. So if you got money for that or a mic and an interface, uh, you can get at Haven Volume on socials uh, or at Add to the MC, and he'll help coordinate getting that mic and that interface to someone who wants to make some art with it. All right. I think that was all I got. Oh, we always forget to do this. Please hit us with that uh, that young rating, review, subscription, all that good stuff on Apple Podcasts yeah, and, and anywhere else you listen. And without further ado, let's continue this mentorship suite with the one and only Add Two. Let's get it. We got the phenomenal MC, teaching artist, mentor, embodied organizer, man of the community, 
We're very grateful to have Ad Two with us. Burr, 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 burr. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, good to yeah. see the family. Good to be here again. You know, so good to have you. We had you on our tenth episode ever, <laughs> and so our, our world and just our voices and the show has grown so much. So I, we'll have to go back and listen. But I don't even think we had started our now staple of a tradition of how we open up our conversations at that point. Um, and it's with a two part question that that warms us up. And it's around time. And so define time however you will. Time could be this day, this season, this hour, this lifetime. In this time, how is the world treating you? And how are you treating the world? Add to. Mm. Yeah, y'all didn't have this question. This <laughs> we, we were just like, hi, good to see you. <laughs> just got young pups. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is a good one. Um, let's see. I will start with um, the world is treating me better than I believe it has because I'm in a space where I've been getting a lot of my flowers. I feel appreciated from every aspect of my life. You know what I'm saying? From like in my family, I feel very grateful for just the relationships that I have. Like me and my father are great. Me and my mother are great. Uh, my brothers, we're, we're proud of each other. We're not like secretly competing with each other or anything. You know? That's great. That's and, great. Uh, we shout out moms and pops all the time, but people have not been shouting out their brothers the way they need. A sibling, <laughs> a sibling non-compete is a big deal. Yeah, It, it really is for us because we're all boys too, man. So, you know, we're just like a couple years apart. So there's naturally like some sense of looking over your shoulder like, all right, well, what is they, what are they doing? And, you know, sometimes the parents accidentally compare you to the other ones like, well, you know, this one is doing that. And you're like, okay, well, I'm doing something too. So, you know, we, we don't want to, we don't do that. You don't anymore. got these bars, though. He's not trying oh, to get the cypher with me. Man, it's, I, I, I kept the rapper lane. My, bro, my older brother gave it up, which is good. My little brother, I didn't know if he was going to start rapping at one point, but he's doing comedy. And so I'm just like really happy for all of us to kind of just have our own spaces and not feel like we got to compete for attention in some way. My my nieces and my nephew, like, that's like the best thing in the world to me. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'm like the fun uncle. It's it's great, man. So like the world has been treating me really, really well. I'm I'm trying to do my best to do the same. You know, I always feel like it's a work in progress. I do feel like I'm doing good, but I'm always trying to be intentional about what I put out to the world, what I'm trying to give to other people. How can I be a vessel? How can I be a space of help? but not a savior. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't believe that we're meant to be saviors for anybody. I believe more so we're just working in conjunction with people. I'm trying to make sure that it's not about me. Whenever I'm out trying to do whatever I need to do, it's like, yo, it's it's no ego in it. Just give because you want to give. Help because you want to help. Don't hold that over nobody. You know, I hate those little stories that people be telling where they be like, Yo, look at the good person that I am. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to do none of that. I just want it to be do good because it is good. Yeah, I think there is something to be said for other people sometimes saying, "Well, look at the good person you are." So I think that's something that we might do throughout this. But it is different when it comes from someone else. Um, but between that lack of ego and this like lack of competition, what I'm hearing is a like increased comfort and sense of self and presence, and it sounds like that comes through at least from what you were saying, rich relationship with people. Does that feel like 
a piece of wisdom or a practice of wisdom that you've learned in the last, since we talked to you last? Um, or is that something you've held important for a long time? Uh, I, th- I think a lot of that comes with, with practice through life experiences that really kind of put you in spaces where you appreciate life and you slow down more and you find out what's important. I think a key relationship that helped me to grow to that space was with my grandmother. Probably around the time when when we did that last interview, I think that's when I first started to take care of my grandmother and I was helping her out. I moved in with her and was trying to balance out rap and caretaker. Through that, I learned a lot about patience. I learned a lot about the things that matter in life and about time, the preciousness of the moment that you have. Like We don't necessarily know what's going to happen, how much time we have left, but the present is all you have, so you have to appreciate it. So it made me slow down in so many different ways, so many things that I was anxious about trying to achieve. And then once I got to certain spaces, realizing it didn't even matter. You know, I was like, I was searching for these goals and then I got here and then I was like, I'm good. I don't even like it. But my grandmother, that relationship was that space that made me learn about myself. It made me learn about what's important to me. It made me learn about how you need somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like how you could be like, man, I've so much of me is built off this person. My belief in, in so many different things is based off of her. And I don't know what life looks like when she's gone. And then to have to go through that moment of watching her leave, that grew me a lot faster than some other things that that I guess I thought was going to help me to mature faster. But that was probably the key thing that made me just slow down and realize that life is really beautiful if you open your eyes to it. If you think that it's bad, then it's probably going to be bad. But if you see the good that's around you and can appreciate it, then there's some very, very, very beautiful things around us. Yeah, and, and I think the that caretaking role that you just described, I could imagine being a really rich space for learning that lesson because things can be beautiful and really, really difficult at the same time, right? Like, and, and so it's not always look at how pretty life is, but it can be look how beautiful life is, right? Like look at the closeness that comes from caring for someone in a way you never did before, or look at the way that you're able to appreciate time in a different way. All those types of lessons. Yeah, I think care can be a really good way to start to experience that. And, and I think it makes so much sense, you know, in relation to to the work that we've watched you do over the last few years, which I think so much of what the mentorship I've seen you model and what we've talked over the last few weeks about at its at its core is this deep commitment to care, honestly and somewhat selflessly. It's a bit of a leading question, but does that ring true? And in general, how do you define mentorship and what's your relationship with that word? To to care in a way that is genuine is important. And especially nowadays, man, because I remember coming up and I remember wanting that type of mentorship. The level of mentorship that I try to display is what I always felt I lacked. I love to make sure that I'm there at the times, not only when they need me, but you know what I'm saying? The times when they may not think it's convenient. That's the part that I think is one of the most foundational spots of it is that mentorship isn't just, all right, I see you between your office hours because your problems don't stop when your office hours clock out, you know what I'm saying? Like just today, you know, a mentee sent the message at four something in the morning and I was up 
they sent the message just like, hey, I'm not even sure if anybody's up or not, but I need help. And then instantly it's like, jump right in. You know what I'm saying? Just do what you got to do. We solved the the issue, got everything squared away. And they have that relief because it's just knowing that somebody is present and somebody cares. Somebody wants you to be better than, you know, where you might be in this moment or help see further down the road than where you might be able to see at the time. But I, I'll try to just give as much as I can, be present as much as I can, because I know how much I wanted a person like me when I was growing up. I always wanted a rapper to take me under their wing and, and help me out and show me how to record. And there were some people who did not for nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like that wasn't necessarily their, their job per se. I think they kind of just like, oh, what's up, young man? How you doing? <laughs> I'll help you out how much I care, but I'm limited. They may not have intentionally planned to do that. They just did it. And so now I'm just kind of taking that title, but still much respect to every mentor that I had because they were critical to help me get to that space as well. Just for the, the context of listeners, one is, again, just exciting to have you back. And I think it's doing some of what we attempted to do with this show. Some of that just like capstone, um, what's, the, what's the thing they call where you like as a class where you bury a thing? Oh, this is driving me nuts. A time capsule. Time capsule. Boom. Yeah. There it is. Thank yeah. you. So, so just this time capsule moment. Um, and so I hear you naming stepping into this legacy and receiving some mentorship, but it not being like done with the level of intentionality that you identify maybe needing. And so now you're saying you're stepping into that role and calling it your job, right? And, and, and putting formality to it. You were very much at the beginning of that stage as last time we talked. Where does that work of, you know, the hip hop arts as the arena of your mentorship live right now? And how is that organized in terms of creating these relationships? So uh, right now we are in our fifth going on to our sixth year of uh, Haven Studios. So uh, Haven Studios is a music mentoring program that I started. It was based off of just what I felt was needed. I was like, I need a space on the south side of Chicago where people could come in and have resources. So we were in the basement of a church or a community center, um, Mount Pisgah Missionary Baptist. Shout out to them because other without them giving us the space, it wouldn't have happened. And partnered with Guitars Over Guns. And that's another mentoring program in Chicago that goes into public schools and uh, uses musicians to be the mentors and the music teachers. But what I was thinking to myself was, I was like, man, I want to replicate something that was done for me on a scale with this guy, like, his name was Mikael Alton. He was a young guy. He had like access to this storefront. And it was like a computer, a microphone, and like this, this green couch. I remember that. <laughs> it was on like 63rd and Rockwell. And me and my friends would go there every day when we was like 16, 17 years old. That's what kept me out of trouble at a time when I was getting in trouble. Like I was like with me and my friends, we was fighting people. We was trying to, we had a car, we was doing the most. And this guy gave us a studio. And I didn't look back. I didn't have time to get into trouble because I was too busy thinking about the rhymes I was writing or I got to record this verse for the group so I can't be messing up. And so it took me out my way. And I was like, if I could ever do something on that level, I will. You know what I'm saying? And I never wanted to be one of those artists who had to be like, I'm going to wait till I go platinum to do it and then come back in the hood and do good. Like It's like, yo, do it now because it's on your heart. And so uh, Haven Studios is 
it's like it's a full studio in the basement of this community center. And I told them when I first partnered with the church, I said, look, this is not going to seem very traditional. Um, it might be a little bit crazy. You might hear them say some things that you don't approve of, but it's necessary. And the pastor, uh, his name is E.F. Ledbetter III. He sounds like a third. That's that a, is a, 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 a third-ass pastor-ass name. Someone <laughs> didn't just make that name up recently. That, no. oh, that name has been existing. That, is, that has been passed down. That's not a 21st <laughs> century name. <laughs> you know That's a historic name. And so, yeah. Uh, he was he he was he's also a musician and used to work in CPS as well. So he was like, please, yes, let's do this. So the space was operating from 1030 until 6 p.m. So it wasn't just after school hours. It was, you know, we was trying to make sure we helped out a little bit of everybody. So, you know, and it didn't cost anybody anything. Uh, we used to take people on these outward bound field trips. We used to like just do stuff just to do it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh man, we going kayaking this week. I do remember you going kayaking on Instagram that with like a large group of people uh, <laughs> encountering kayaks. Yeah. It, it's amazing. <laughs> you gotta be in shape to kayak. You can't just oh, man. hop in there though. I, I, I might have kayaked for like a good three minutes and I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna just float. <laughs> Hope the current takes me home. <laughs> exactly. But um, but we what we do is is um, you know, we turn that space into a studio. So most of the mentees learn how to engineer. Um, they record the music that they want to record. I don't judge. I don't say nothing. I'll be like, whatever your songs you want to make is what you want to make. But it also gives us good insight into who they are. You know, like you could listen to lyricism and you'd be like, okay, cool. I could see what you're dealing with, or I could see that you might be processing death in a different way. You're you're going through grief right now for one of your friends, and you know. The song may mask it a little bit, but I can tell. And then now we can have these conversations about these things. So luckily, the program has been very successful, man. We've we've been at first it was tough to get a grant. Now it feels like we we get them left and right, which is good. And I think people are starting to see the value in um, music and and providing the space for uh, teens to express themselves, teens and young adults, like non traditional ways. I heard you reference like the content and, and and you framed it as like content that maybe people in a church might not approve of being like a necessary important part of this relationship and this development really want to censor the relationship between the hip-hop tradition and this like technology of mentorship that we're trying to document because that's one of the things i think as our show like as we've grown it's part of our foundation, but hasn't been as much in the foreground, you know, is how important the hip hop context is in creating these type of relationships that may not be like institutionally acceptable elsewhere. And so what's different than just like this being just like after school program, right? Or this just being like a big brother program, because a lot, a lot of people can go kayaking with young people. But I feel or observe or am curious is what is unique about this creative art form and expression in terms of the relationship you're able to make in the like space you're able to build for the young people. Yeah. I mean, well, sometimes it's it's not as unique as I guess like this, like sometimes we'd be expecting like this a real revolutionary moment of being like, yo, this is the key ingredient that changes it all. Like to be honest with you, it it is a little bit of everything. You know, some days when they walk in and, you know, people might be in the space where they'd be like, I don't feel like recording. And I'm like, cool. Well, we just 
about to sit down and eat food today, bro. <laughs> like, I, I have no no qualms against that. Or we play Super Smash Brothers all day against each other. You know what I mean? Playing Uno. Like, sometimes it's just regularly kicking it. Sometimes it is I'm the engineer. Sometimes it is we're making music videos together. Like, it could be whatever. It's not just that one thing. If tomorrow turns around and everybody's like, you know what? We don't even want to make music no more. We want to just go out into the community and and clean up. Then that's what Haven's going to be. Haven's going to be a cleanup program. If they decide that, yo, we're going to just make music videos and now it's a cinematography program. Like, I'm not married to this idea of what I want. I had an idea of what I thought it could be, but... I'm trying to be like, like as much like water and as as formless as I can be. Where it's just like, hey, whatever y'all want to do, I want to just be there to support it. There's no show at the end where they be like, all right, so here's the graduation day, and like I got mentees in the program like 29. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, bro, like me and you, me and you could actually fight, and we could, and it'd be just fine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's a great metric. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yo, me, me and you were like, we we in the same tax bracket, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, but it's, it's just, I, I don't really see the borders anymore. But I think that's probably what makes it so special is that it's, it's ran by a rapper who doesn't even care about <laughs> the rapper. I don't want to make a bunch of little me's. It's like, every, there's, as a matter of fact, I think that's probably the craziest part. Uh, most of them, didn't even know anything about me or any sort of like clue that I rap. People would walk in and be like, yo, do y'all know who you sitting with? And then I'm like, nope, nope, don't even say that. We good. You're just a dude with a studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'd be like, that's two. They actually thought like I was just an engineer. It was like, yo, he just, you know what I'm saying? He the engineer at the church. That's what he do. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yep, that's all I do. That's it. You know what I'm saying? So uh, but I don't want to make a bunch of little me's. I want them to be on their own path. One of the things that you just said, which I think it's hard to even like make tangible, but especially for programs for young people making art. So often, whether it's grant driven, whether it's visibility driven, there is this like performance outward facing aspect that I think, you know, for some people can be very fulfilling, but I think the expectation of it takes away some of that vulnerability and that kind of connection that you're talking about. And, and some of that, like, let's move like water and make sure that we're actually serving the needs of this person on this day, as opposed to, well, this is what our curriculum says we do on Wednesdays. I think I've seen that from the outside from you, from when this all started was like, this is really not for the people watching from the outside. <laughs> How did you navigate that, um, one, just in your own thinking as someone who had been a performer on a very, you know, high level? You've stood on a lot of stages and all of a sudden to make this thing where it's really not about the people watching. It's about the participants. You know, you you spend a lot of your time early on, again, trying to prove stuff. You're trying to show that I put in this work so it means that I should be at this level or you know, but then I realized that a lot of that stuff wasn't like math. You know what I'm saying? Like it didn't equal out the same way. Like you could put in a talent and you could put in work and it still would not get the results that you want. And so uh, I was like, well, what what matters the most? You know, like and I would I've never been a fan of the show. I don't care what it is. I don't like the performative stuff. Like I don't get down with that. I don't like to do stuff so that other people see it. Sometimes it kind of rubs me the wrong way. And so 
I never want to have people a part of this program to think that I'm going to parade them around like charity cases. And I even with the language with certain times when people apply for certain things, like I used to hate every time they turn around and say like, oh, so this is like a program for at-risk youth. I'd be like, no, cut that because we all at risk. What you talking about? Like we, every last one of us, when we walk out this door is at risk. So that does take that out of it, that whatever context or, or connotation that you guys are trying to put into it. No, we're not doing it. And at first I was rubbing a lot of the board members the wrong way. It was was rubbing the the um, people who had to help get these grants written for us and was just like, yo, this is a hard program to sell. And I'd be like, well, don't sell it. I'm good. <laughs> well, I'm going to keep doing this. Like I, I was now I'm able to, you know what I'm saying, have a, a, a decent living off of it. But before, like for the first probably four years, man, I was... I think I might have been getting paid like two hours out of the eight that I was there and didn't think nothing of it. Monday through Friday, I'm cool. Let's do it. Ain't no off switch because it's, it's needed. But I never wanted to be performative. I never wanted to feel like everybody's graduated now. Everybody's okay. Here's the stats and we're good. And when you realize that people aren't numbers, the numbers and the data does help give you some indications about certain things. But the story is never in those numbers by themselves. Like there's so many little small things that you can't quantify that makes the program the program. You'd be like, man, I can't put a number on the day that one of the mentees who was at one point robbing somebody and now is like, yo, I have a job and a house and you know what I'm saying? I'm cool. Or the emotional growth that somebody may take when they weren't closed in, you know what I'm saying? And now that they're opening up to more people and say like, yo, I have a community I could talk to about what I'm dealing with. There's no numbers for those things. And at the same time, even though these stories are the most important stories, a part of the program, most of the time, it's not for me to tell. That's still their stories. When they give us creative license to say like, hey, you know, let me tell this with you, then we good. But if not, you ain't gonna hear me say a word. Yeah. So, so you're like one of these people with integrity out here. Um, <laughs> I think that's pretty clear. I'm curious how you deal with people who you sometimes share space or share titles with or doing, quote, similar work who maybe don't have that type of integrity or don't approach it with that same intentionality. Yeah. How do you manage the like, well, I'm going to work through, work with, work around this person, this space? Because... Yeah, people people do things for a lot of reasons, and it doesn't mean you can only work with the people who have everyone's best interest in mind. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you do have to learn how to navigate these spaces because, and I'm still learning, because the, there's a piece of me, there's this West Englewood piece of me that is like when there's stuff that I do not like, I feel like I have to confront it first, especially when it comes to the way people are carrying themselves within the spaces that I occupy. Once I'm, I'm in the spaces of knowing about it, I don't like to dance around it. I need to have a very open, honest conversation where I'm probably not mincing any words. And after that, we make a decision on what we're doing from that point on, because there's a space of complicity if you allow certain things to happen that you are aware of. You know what I'm saying? So, for instance, as soon as I heard about some of the situations that was going on with YCA a few, maybe like last month, I quit. I was like, nah, I'm good. I love some of the people who's here, but if this is how certain other people on the higher ups move around, 
Like I can't, I, I can't even be in that conversation. Those conversations were some very real conversations. And I, like for the other people who are are there, I love them. Like I love the the staff members. There's certain people who are there who are a part of the teaching artists there who are like amazing people. So I'm not talking about none of them, but there's some other people who's on the on the up and ups. Yeah, nah, I don't I don't move around like that. I can't. And that's just where I am with everything. It's like even with my homies, there's always a level of accountability that needs to be there. It's like I can't co-sign for no nonsense, especially in these spaces when we're dealing with youth who need us to be at a certain level. Yes, you can make mistakes, but there's certain mistakes we should not be making. We have to be able to check each other and it has to switch up because somebody can be permanently affected by this. Like, you know what it's like when the first adult disappoints you? That real disappointment where you be like, not you. You're not supposed to be like that. When Like that is, is a rough feeling. And I remember what that was like the first time when I had that. It was this guy who I was following behind and I used to uh, sweep up the spaces and be up there every Saturday to help. And then as much as he was teaching me about how to be a man in the community and be a man towards your family. And the first time I heard that he was being abusive to his wife, I could not deal with that. It was like the world ended. I was like, yo, you, you were teaching me. And the whole time, this is who you are. I can't. And so that's why I think I take stuff like that very serious because I know what that feeling is like. Like the youth deserve so much more than that. If adults feel like they cannot provide that, they should step aside. It's really that simple. The stakes are so high. So we're obviously in in a central or really important part of this conversation. I appreciate you sharing off of some of your personal stance as an expression of this level of standard or ethic that we must have for all vulnerable people, but particularly the vulnerability of, of the young people that we intend to nurture and develop. And so as in-depth or, or as nuanced as you want to be about it, from tracking what's happening this month to that first experience of the guy you're sweeping up after, is there preparation that you think spaces should do, right? Like, I think there's something we as Ergo that's looking to grow and bring more people into this platform as like part of our team. We're starting to ask ourselves that question of how do we not be responsive? How do we not only have the the tool in our bag of we have to leave or, you know, shut something down after it's already happened? Do you have lessons, particularly for people that want to step into a place of power step into a place of mentorship, step into a place of leadership, ethics or standards or protocol or process that your lessons teach you we should have on the front end that we should, like you say, not mince words about? Um, It's rough because like, it's an ever evolving space, man. Like you could solve for every possible outcome. And then some ways there'll be another one that you'd be like, dang, I didn't even see that one coming. Like, (laughs) it's always something. Like, it's weird. But the one way that I've been, at least within the program, there's this this foundational thing that we do believe in is honesty. We have some very open and tough conversations. And I've learned that from family as well, because sometimes, man, my family would withhold certain things from us. 
because it was like, oh, you're too young to know about that. So, and we didn't want to mess up your your focus. So we don't want to say this in front of you. Like almost like there's layers to it. Like, and so instead of that, I operate from the space of just telling everybody everything, just from the jump. When we see an issue, there's going to be some very uncomfortable conversations that happens because of it. But to know that we're always going to have it right there out in the open when we're going to make a decision about how we move forward, that's important, man. Because like you said, it's like you can do a lot in the preparation. You could screen people, you can do background checks, and they could be good from that moment. And then three days later, they <laughs> come out the gate. You'd be like, now? <laughs> now, you go, now you doing this? And so I just say like, because your process will change. It will grow. You as an organization will grow. And uh, the people who you bring around, hopefully they have the best intentions and the best type of energy for the space. But I know people will be people. The tragic part is, is that that will happen. But as long as everybody knows within that space that there is accountability that's going to happen, regardless of whatever that mistake is, that's the most important part. Nobody is above accountability. With my mentees, they know if I'm if I'm talking crazy one day, if I'm being reckless and they're like, all right, Ed, you got an attitude with people. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to say that. That they feel comfortable enough to say that to me. And that if it requires me some time away, then I need to take that. If it requires me to be out of a position of leadership, then that's what it takes. That's the best I could tell you because like I'm still learning myself. Yeah. How do you make clear from jump those expectations of accountability or those expectations of transparency and honesty? Because I think it can be there on your end, but unless you can figure out from jump how to communicate that so that everyone's you know in agreement about this is what we're all entering into, it can be really hard to convince someone that they can be honest with you in the moment where they're struggling whether or not they can be honest with you about something. Like they need to know it beforehand, you know? Yeah. Well, you know what? Um and I don't know how this happens, but somehow it just naturally happens where um, usually me and the mentees have some very, there's some conversations that proceeded to let them know that I'm not shook about anything. We've had conversations where uh, just being out there about drugs, just on some just like, yo, I know what you got on you right now. Just put it on the table, fam. And it don't be no after school moment, you know what I'm saying? The after school special type of joint. It just be like, I'm not telling you I'm going to take you to rehab right now. I'm not going to tell you that, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to call the police on you, which I would never do. But still, this is like this this notion at first of being like, well, what are they going to say if they see me at my worst? That's usually what I think when, when, and when I talk to my mentees, that's their fear is that if you see me at my worst or if you see me doing bad, you're not going to accept me. You're going to judge me. You're going to make me feel bad. You're going to make me leave. And that's not the case. It's like, how do we improve your situation? Like, why do you feel the need to do this thing? Why don't I spill some? I have to have some spaces of empathy, knowing that whatever it is, I'm not here to judge you. I'm I'm not here to throw you out here. I'm not going to use this against you. I'm not going to hold it over your head. You have to know that there's acceptance there and it's unconditional. I operate from the space of, I have to know where you are. I have to know who you are, where you are at this very moment in the most honest way. I hope I can get you to this other space, but I got to know who you are. And 
once I see that, that's so much more helpful because if not, I feel like I can't do anything with a lie. I just need to figure out how can I help and who are you at your core so that that's where we start and not just start from like, all right, everybody, we here. No, some people, is it's, it's all over the map. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's one of the key things is just like it has to start at this foundational space of acceptance. It's unconditional. My love for you is my love for you. That's it. It's like you can't change it. You can't do nothing about it. That's my love. So like I'm going to give that to you and I'm going to give that to you in a space where it doesn't have these like check marks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When I hear you talking about your work being rooted in these relationships of loving acceptance. That really goes, one of the big themes or threads we've been talking about through this suite is the tension or the dynamic between a communal approach to mentorship versus the institutional. What I hear you saying, we're, we're breaking some of these models of like a showcase or it being you know, an age cutoff where, oh, you're 18 or you're 21 or you're 24, like go kick rocks. Uh, um, or also it being about like, you know, breaking this model of at risk or like a diversion program. When I hear you talking about like working to build this trust or this full honesty, it makes me think about the ways in which the history of these institutional programs, which really have usually a, a, a kind of wild relationship to the state. It's like you can go to jail or you can go learn bead making over here or you know you can get expelled or you can go to this program that's going to teach you how to not be bad basically anymore and that institutional whether it's through the school or through the carceral state that relationship then makes it where you can't talk about the things that are outside of the bounds or you're required to call the police on something that needs intervention or needs unpacking with somebody and so I'm just hearing you really describe something that, that we've been asking about and that's really important is how do our communities show up differently to build these, these legacies of, of nurturing or as our mentor called it, levitating and working through the contradictions. I'm hearing like a radical honesty and connection that our institutions as an air quote staffed mentor or corrections officer, basically, by another name, is not allowed or is actually not there to do. Um, so I, I, I went through all of that hoping I would like button it up with like a very clean question to throw back to you. Uh, <laughs> I think I kind of got it. Though. I think I <laughs> but yeah, got just, it. just that distinction between the institutional versus the communal is, is something that's been really important. Yeah, like I've, I've always been a big community person. I grew up knowing everybody on my block. You know what I'm saying? Like I could still to this day could name off every house and everybody who was in it on 65th and Artesian. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's what's what that's where I grew up at thinking like I I just knew everybody. But I always liked this idea of everybody bringing something to the table. And it may not be much, but every little piece count, you know what I'm saying? And so what I try to do especially being inclusive, I tell everybody in the building one that yeah, this is my program in the basement, but at the same time we're all in this building and I need to know everybody. And they need to know my mentees and my mentees need to be a service to y'all. And then how can uh, these other people who might be in the in the church or in the community center, how can we work together? And uh, we would meet certain mothers on Sundays. You know, at first they'd be like, oh, you know, I love what you're doing. I love what you do. I wish there was some way I could help. And then I was like, man, well, you know, if y'all ever want to come through and cook, we we would love to sit down and eat with y'all. 
And they said, y'all want that for real? And I'm like, yeah. And, and then it was like every other Tuesday, we would sit down and have lunch with our elders. Because they was like, all we see y'all eat is honey buns and chips and <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's like, y'all need good food. And so they would sit down and we would eat and play old school music and just like talk with each other. And then now the students who they might've seen in the community, who they might've walked across the street, if they seen them coming through, or if they would have been like judging them, thinking like, oh, I got to watch myself a little bit more. Now they having conversations with them. Now they know that there's stories behind these people and they, they just on their way the same way you on your way. Having the courage to not be afraid to have conversation with a different generation. The youth are okay with having a conversation with the elder. The elders is cool with having a conversation with the youth. And we need just to understand that everybody's bringing something to the table. Like, even if it's not much, all you got to do is start by just saying, what's up? That is a big thing. And that what's up can change from what's up to how you doing? How was your day? And then the, the next time y'all pass each other, y'all was good seeing you, Mr. Such and Such. It grows. And that's what we need. Because if not, we isolate ourselves. And then that isolation turns to, I need to be afraid of whoever this is. They might be trying to get me, this paranoia for some odd reason. And then that turns into, I don't care what happens to what's over there because that has nothing to do with me. When in reality, all of this has to do with each other. You know what I'm saying? Like if we don't help each other, eventually we are going to hurt each other through like six degrees of something. It's like, if you neglect the problem, eventually it gets on your doorstep anyway. So if anything, I think we should all just like encourage everybody to do it just a little bit. It may not be much, but it's like, what can you do? And if you can't even do it that often, well, can you do it monthly? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, let's let's just find a way. Let's find something. You can't do it every day. That's cool. Can you do, can it, you once do it once a month? Okay, that's cool. A, let's do that's that. A, that's a great follow-up question to the I can't make it. That's, that's great. so tangible. That's wild. Because that is like the, the baseline of any, at minimum, for a thing to happen, people have to be convened once a month. Like, can't, <laughs> can't, can't, can you commit that to something? Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm about to start asking people that question. It's not even <laughs> hey. about anything I'm doing. It's just like, are you doing anything once a month? Is there anything you got? Yeah. <laughs> like, and that, and that, that's, that's, I mean, because if you think about it, man, every 30 days, right? Even if that's, that's one thing to look forward to. One thing you could be like, man, I know at this one moment, I'm going to feel good about myself because I was in community with all these other people. And then that's going to make you want to do it more. That's so accessible, right? Because I don't want to downplay how unique you are and that, that you have some ex exceptional capacity, right? Like everybody can't do eight hours yeah, in the four in the morning or, response or, and, yeah. or not get paid for four years or volunteer two years or, you know fortunately have this other career or place in the world that even if it's not about money, just like you were substantiated as a person, right? Like you have an identity that is grounded. And so for folks listening to this that are inspired or just want to, there's a lot of people come up to me because now, you know, I'm a air quote activist. So like, oh, I want to get involved. Never know what that means. They don't know what that means. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, follow these Instagram pages <laughs> and then show up to where they tell you to yeah. go. Um, but like outside of that, just find something where you can have the regularity of once a month. Like that is such a not theoretical, just hard tip that I want everybody listening all over the world add to just gave you some real game of how to get started <laughs> of, of making that impact. And it's like exercise, right? Like I'm sure you can find after you make that commitment of a month, 
It's like, now I can do 15 push-ups. Now I can do 25. Yeah, and, and you'll look up and you'll find the practice of how to be in community with people. So yeah, that's that's a valuable lesson. Now it has me thinking, what do I do once a month? <laughs> yeah. <It's> what are, <laughs> I'd say like jog. Specifically, I'll run more than that. <laughs> and I'll walk more than that. But a jog fits in that. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but it's it's interesting to hear you say the word courage. Because that's kind of surprisingly been one of the central words of this whole suite. We, we got to this idea of courage and vocabulary being these like twin tools for support and care and mentorship. And I love this idea that the courage to have that moment of interaction, to step away from that imposed isolation or self-imposed isolation, that that little bump of courage opens things up. Our last guest, Keisha, broke this down of like bravery is doing something even when you're afraid of it and courage is doing it when you're no longer afraid of it. And so I'm curious for you, as you stepped into this role, what were you doing bravely that now you feel like you're doing courageously in those interpersonal relationships? Like, where has the fear fallen away? Mm. That's that's different. Oh, that's a good question, man. Shout out to my boy. <laughs> you know, yeah. Ooh, that's what I do once a month is I ask a question that gets that kind of praise. <laughs> man, I'm wondering what was I doing bravely? I think the idea of what we're doing was the bravery. It was like you'd be able to, to make the pitches to tell people about what you're going to do and, you know, what's important and, and why. And uh, I wasn't afraid of what I had to do or what came with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a space where a lot of my friends early on were telling me, are you sure you're going to be okay? Like, are you sure this is going to be safe? You're going to be right in the middle of the hood. It was a lot of that early on. And that didn't scare me at all. Because I was like, again, West Englewood, I'm cool. I'm not afraid of none of this because I knew what was needed. But now I think where the courage comes in is the ability to kind of just merge it into your personal life. You know what I'm saying? Where there isn't a separation. This is so, so much a part of me that I don't know if there's a clock in, clock out. Like that's like the most courageous thing to me where it's like, there's so many of my family members who know about my mentees and my mentees who know about my family. They're like one and the same. You know what I'm saying? Like some of my mentees have spent Christmas with me all these big moments to celebrate my birthday, they be with me. You know what I'm saying? It's like these worlds are one and it's not, I only see you in this room. I see them in the world. It's it's not just like, oh, when you walk into Haven now, all of a sudden the mentor role is here and the mentee role is here. It exists everywhere. Like, you know what I'm saying? So that's probably the most courageous part of it is that it's so much ingrained in my world now that, man, me and my wife, we try to go get food somewhere and we're going to run into somebody is yeah. like it, it don't let us be in high park you're 53rd you gonna run into somebody anyway but you know just like it, it, if we out you know what i'm saying we've been at home depot and then somebody just be like oh mr andre and i'm like what it's just it's like what are you what are you doing i'm thinking of grout like what are we why are we yeah, talking like, right you, you definitely know nothing about about fixing any of this <laughs> You broke half the stuff in my studio, but okay. <laughs> so, They're like, well, me mentor me on home repairs. Yeah, what exactly, are we doing here? Exactly, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm going to need that. So, you know, but uh, yeah, man, I, lo I love that it's so much ingrained in my life now. Does this work make you want to rap more or less? Less. Mm. Less? To be honest with you, I don't even want to rap at all. Mm. 
Is there any melancholy or bittersweetness to that, or does it just no, feel like purpose? No, no, this this is all sweet. It ain't bitter at all. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, like, but for for them, they pushed me to do the last project. I was good. I was perfectly fine with not doing it. When you say they pushed you, what what does that mean? They would constantly remind me. They would say like, "Man, Ed, you need to." What are you doing, Ed? You need to make something. You need to do something. And then I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. They start playing beats. Some people don't even, uh, people may not even know it, but it's like some of the voice acting is them. Some of the beats are them. Uh, some of the harmonies and some of the joints is them. They're sprinkled all throughout this whole process. They would remind me, I would hear them rap, and I would kind of get that feeling like, man, I kind of missed this. But the biggest one, which is also a, a tragic part of it, one of my mentees, uh, Tato, Unfortunately, uh, he was killed on his way to the studio. He was getting ready to show up, and uh, we were getting ready to close down a day. And one of my mentees told him, he was like, hey, it's all good. We all getting ready to leave out. And then he was like, oh, dang, okay, well, I'll just see y'all tomorrow. And instead, he went over to, you know what I'm saying, somebody else's house. And I think, unfortunately, that person might have set him up or something like that. That thought rang in my head where it was like, the one thing he wanted to do was rap. And here I am, can rap, can probably do it well enough to, if I wanted my music to be out here and heard, I could do whatever I want to do with the push of a button. And I'm not doing it because I didn't want to. For that reason alone, I started back to doing it. And I was like, if nothing else, I had to put his name in it and, and, and say something and to, to engrave it in my mind. And, but I'm also like at a space of, of fulfillment where I get more of a, a kick from watching them put out projects and seeing their videos come out or them get press and them like have these experiences in life and love the thing that saved my life. There's something beautiful about watching somebody else uh, go down that journey, but go down it in a way where you're able to tell them like, okay, watch your step over here and watch this pitfall over here. And it's not to say that you still might trip up, but just to know that it's there and just to see how they move because of this information, it makes a world of difference. And I love it because they come back and just be like, it's like a kid showing you their report card, you know what I'm saying? And they got all A's. It's like, I love it. Like, that's the most meaningful thing that happens for me. Mm. That's really beautiful. One, just hearing like these lives and these people that you've poured into the connection being so deep where they are in a way pouring into you or offering you a gift or, or putting you back in the world in a way that, that celebrates what you contribute. Um, but, you know, in that tragedy and, and condolences for the loss, that actually connected to the question I had back to your response about the fear and the courage of the, the courage to connect to these relationships that are needed because what what I heard you say was that there was this like externally imposed fear of you are where it is dangerous aren't you concerned about that right like you are where the vulnerability is most concentrated I think that's a microcosm of a real paradox of the like compounded nature of trauma in our society is those who are in the most need repel (laughs) or the conditions that are most needed repel those who have resources or capacity to support or to meet some of those needs or to address some of those harms. And in you telling that story, what I hear is not just the fear of like, oh, something may happen to my body or my property, but it's also that emotional fear of, oh, I'm connecting myself 
to people that are in danger, that are at risk, right? Like if, if I connect to some of these young people, I may lose one of them and I have to feel that pain in a way that folks with privilege can be very removed from the reality of the violence. I think that's something that's really unique about the city. We talk about Chicago abstractly or as like a, a, a flat plain where everybody is just experiencing shooting and losing people, where it's really hyper-concentrated amongst the most vulnerable Black people and the most vulnerable, you know, brown and immigrant populations. It's not all of everybody who's walking down 53rd <laughs> is actually connected, right? Is feeling the, the risk of what this divestment and this violence brings for people. And so from the wisdom that you're sharing and also from the experience of the pain, is there anything you can offer people that have those very real valid fears of the reality of what's going on in Chicago, but places around the world that are organized like Chicago, where folks are afraid to be where they're needed most for, for very real reasons? Yeah, like, I mean, I understand it because um, losing them, because I've, I think it's like three or four now that I might be on. And the one in particular, even though she wasn't to gun violence, um, but when, when she left, it it really, really, really messed me up. Um, it took me to a space that I had never been. You know, like I had lost some before, but we had talks. You know what I'm saying? Like me and them had talks about mortality and you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, you know, doing this, we we got to make some better decisions because this is going to lead here. Like we've had conversations about those things. But for for her, it was a little bit different. And it was like everything was going right. I had never anticipated being amongst this group with her family. There was only like a few of us who was able to be there. They had her body laid out there before they cremated her. And it messed me up. It messed me up. I could not get out of my, my head where it was just like, if this is what you might have to deal with, do you really want to deal with it? Nothing prepares you for that type of pain. Nothing prepares you to not be able to see them and not for them to be able to achieve their goals and dreams and have so many moments in life that they deserve. Nothing prepares you for it. I do understand that at a self-preservation, sometimes you, you, you don't want to face it. You don't want to get close to people because you don't want to feel that, that hurt and that pain. On the opposite end, the, what, what encourages me is there's so many moments of joy that you get, that you can be helpful for, that you can, can be a part of. You know what I'm saying? And we all got to go, regardless of whatever happens, whether it's sooner or later, we all got to go. It's like, and mm, see, shout out to the elders. They always give it to you when you need it. Um, Dr. Hines, Common's mother, she told me this when I was mourning my grandmother. She said, she was like, it's okay to be hurt, but you know that you have so many more memories that you can hold on to, to only remember this one bad one. That's what I try to keep in mind is that if I can, in some way, form or fashion, can bring joy or be a part of some space that brings joy to somebody for however many moments that we can, that got to count for something. I have to do that, if nothing else. At least it exists here. 
when we get older, we graduate out of high school or whatever. It's like there's a, a world that don't really care about us. It goes out of its way to show that it does not care about us. So I want to be as adamant on the opposite end. It's like, no, I need to, I'm, I, I need y'all to know that there's love out here for you. I need you to know that there's some fun still. It's, it's okay if you ain't got your life figured out at 18, 19. A lot of people don't, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people ain't got their lives straight till about 30, to be absolutely honest with you. And some of them still struggling. I don't want them to come into this idea feeling like they got to have it all figured out. Instead, give people a moment to just be people, to have peace, to have joy, to have some reassurance that there's hope, that trumps everything for me. I know I'm running the risk of, you know, being hurt that they may not be here. I know they run the risk of being disappointed by me in some way or hurt if I'm not here. But if I go, I would much want them to to remember Every day of us laughing, it's like, you're going to get that moment of crying. That's okay. You're going to be mad that I'm gone. It's okay. But I want them to have all those other moments of joy. It's like, yo, I remember us clowning in the studio. I remember us singing New Edition. You know what I'm saying? Can you stand in the rain? Or I remember us having a little picnic outside. Or I remember us hooping. Or remember all the crazy stuff he said. Like, I the want two kayak rows before yeah. the shirt just got sore. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I was able to kayak for about four minutes before, before my deltoids was on fire. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I need them to know all of those things, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, because that's where it's at. So it's like, yeah, it could all go left. And chances are, if you live long enough, it will. But there's always some time in between that, you know what I'm saying, that that's valuable. So, yeah, that's that's where I live at. It's just knowing that there's some value that we could place in between that. What a gift to give. Yeah. That that space. I mean, that's that's no small. And I mean, I'm glad we got to hear some of the not just the risk, but the the challenge and the the toll that that can take, but it, the value of it too. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I done messed up my whole sleep from this. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I wake up every day about like 4.30 and I can't go back to sleep. Like, I don't know what it is, but my sleep is just messed up. But that comes with this. Uh, you know, you, you, you're collateral damage in some way, but at the same time for what I get, I'll deal with not sleeping. So I, give me some more time to catch up on my my uh, Marvel theories and, and stuff like <laughs> that. <laughs> Sit up watching videos of these people talking about like Easter eggs. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's in the background. <laughs> that that reminds me, my dad, I was talking to my dad yesterday. He said, so he got his second vaccine a couple weeks ago and he was like, I couldn't sleep. So at 5 a.m. I started watching Limitless. And I was like, I can't think of a movie that's worse to watch <laughs> off a vaccine at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no, that that is a wild movie to watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if any oh. a time to go to sleep. <laughs> I know. I, I have one last thing, and it's in response to what you just said. To some of that that toll or that the the sleep falling to the side. Are there folks that you're learning from about how to do this work that you're in conversation with, either directly or indirectly, like? Because someone's got to sleep at some point. Is there anyone that you feel comfortable or vulnerable or open to learning how to do this from as you continue to to commit? Because I don't see you stopping to commit anytime soon. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not happening anytime soon. 
don't know, man. Like I, I at this moment, no. Like I, I wish there were. But me and my friends talk about this often where it's like uh it's just hard to to relate certain things to certain people because just what you're doing doesn't necessarily apply. I go to certain people for specific information, but I don't think there's anyone that I'm completely walking in the shadow of of trying to learn from. I don't see a version of what I'm trying to do anywhere that I'm aware of at this moment where I could be like, if it could get like that, then it would be, I just want it to be whatever it's supposed to be. And I'm kind of just like enjoying the ride right now. I just want to be happy. I'm trying less to control things because I was never good at that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty appealing sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so again, with the wisdom and then also in that, like the whole tone of this conversation, just like a pride and respect we have of you and like grateful to be in your community and, and connected to you in any way because this work is really amazing. But there's also something saddening in the fact that you don't have a bevy of contemporaries or a lot of peers or previous examples that that you can model from or be in, com- in connection with. Because on the commercial side of hip hop, right, like I think it's clear that there's this lineage of mentorship is how we get our brightest stars, right? So if there's no top dog to make the space, Kendrick can't develop it as he does. Jay-Z can't become Jay-Z without a big L and a and a cane and a jazz, you know? And so mentorship in a way that doesn't, I feel like, get named or documented accurately, I feel like it's such an important part of our tradition. And it somewhat scares me that that you don't see other spaces that you can strive towards. So I'm asking this from the zoom out. Um, How do you see this work in that legacy that I'm talking about that I think you see in the commercial space in terms of hip hop and mentorship? And then if there is an absence or a shortage, what is the push that's needed? What is the like the invitation or the provocation that we need to make on this cultural tradition to make sure that there is more availability of this type of resource? Yeah. um, One, just to, to, expand on that like you're absolutely right mentorship is so connected in hip-hop that i wish more people would put a spotlight on it it's like it's it's almost like you really don't get anything until the mentorship happens everybody is connected to somebody yep it's and all a tree who was i just talking about i mean you know rest in peace shock g but uh as many people know tupac it's like yo you would have never heard of tupac had it not been for shock g you know, not been for them, you know what I'm saying, taking them on on tour and to to give them a job as a background dancer. To, Getting them an apartment, all type of stuff. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like like those those things happen and then all of a sudden you get the person that you get. When you think about Chance, when you think about Brother Mike, you know what I'm saying? When you think about, you know, with, with Vic and, 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 you know what I'm saying, Saba and everybody, like there's, there's all these connective people who get there because of somebody else telling you, giving you resources, putting you on game, whatever that is. And so I think it's so important that we continue to shine a light on that and for more people to see like, yo, it's it's a job that is ingrained in us as like as artists. It's like once you do it, you got to pay it forward. You know what I'm saying? Help the next generation keep it moving. Um, but when it comes to this space, 
I start out with several examples of what I could look to. I like what they do. All right, I like what they do. Well, I like the feel of that too. You know what I'm saying? And I took pieces of that into my practice. For instance, I always loved how K-Love used to love on her mentees. It was this very just strong, like motherly, just just nurturing bond. I always loved how Fanon was so like, he would teach them rap in a way that was almost like making them warriors or something. I was like, yo, this... Y'all are some rapping, rapping people. <laughs> if nothing you know, else, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, if, if y'all, y'all is trying to rap, rap. And so and y'all I take loved, it serious. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved that, right? I loved, you know what I'm saying? With YCA, when I walked in, it was like, that was the first time I've seen a space that was like, hey, this is what we own. And if you ain't on that, you got to get up out the door. I was like, okay. That's different. All right. I like what this what's going on here. And then it was like, of course, uh, with 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 Kumba Links, man. I just loved how this was like one of the most established families for years. Like since I was about like 17, you know what I'm saying? And so there's these spaces that I I, I loved and wanted to bring like certain things that I felt when I got into the space. It's just now I'm just trying to find what is the next thing that I do. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do I live in these spaces? How do I do what, what's charged for me to do? How do I still be a vessel? It's just, I just don't know any of them that I could model it after right now, just because I'm in, in a different space. There's some excitement to that, that, that unknown. Yeah. Yeah. It's pioneering, man. You know what I'm saying? It's like, when you, you going that, that new path and it's like, it's, it's the road ain't quite paved yet, but you know, it's going to go somewhere. you like, like, this is going to be a shortcut somewhere. <laughs> it's gonna, it's it, also going to be a little bumpy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, but it's it's good because when we get to where we are going, I see what it could be. When it's all said and done, it's going to be like, wow, this was a very, very, very beautiful program that we had. Yeah. I mean, I think for us, we've been looking for examples in the same way that you were just describing. And so it's wonderful to to learn from you. Um, Appreciate you. All, all I have left is some some gas and affirmation. I think it's it's really important and valuable, um, the legacy that you're carving out. I, I remember being back in Ferguson when I first started, like, getting into movement stuff. And one of the first dreams we had was, how do we create a space where young people can use hip-hop arts or audio engineering as a way to begin to engage in a higher point of consciousness? And so as I hear you saying, like, you're at a place of nothing to point to, uh, you have been for me in many ways, like I've said in the room, like, yeah, we could get on our ad too shit, right? <laughs> or or Daniel has been in like a planning or incubating of trying to build a program where it's like, and then if we get funding, you know, we're gonna we're gonna connect or we're gonna learn from the the examples that ad two has already created. And so even though I ain't hit you up or I ain't send that email like, <laughs> like I'm supposed to. <laughs> um but 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 every time I see you, you know, I I say like you know, gratitude, you are setting an example. It's it's much more than just proving stuff, right? It's much more than just taking up space on a stage or having something to market or sell. Um, and so this cultural sustainability and legacy building that you are modeling is really, really important for our world. So I'm just honored to be to be in your sphere, but really grateful that that you've allowed us to record some of your your impact um here. So folks, 
listen to this and go go do the time capsule and listen back to 2015 and, and see some of the growth of of this man that, that has poured into our community. So I just want to shout you out and, and, and my sincere thanks for, for the example that you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate this. And, and we just might put the uh, the on air uh, freestyle that you did back in 2015 not, at the end of this. Not gonna make you freestyle this time. We made you do it last time, but I might I might just oh, throw that Lord. as the outro. It's decent. Uh, you don't have anything to worry about. It was, was, it was off say, the brain for real. I was say, I, 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 Lord knows what it checked out with. <laughs> uh, how can folks uh, find you and support your work in the ways you want to be found? Let's see. Uh, of course, I'm I'm on social media. Add to the MC ADD, the number two, T H E M C. Definitely support Haven um, on Instagram and Twitter. They run the pages, so I I told them like whatever y'all want to be shown and however you want to be seen, it's up to y'all. I'm gonna run though. Sound like a it. shout out, but also a disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, so y'all you know what can you follow hey, Haven. Run the pages. <laughs> yeah, just know if you, you see something, it ain't me. Oh, that's <laughs> so, great. It's a Haven value. And um, of course, you know what I'm saying? You can, any way that you need to get a hold of us professionally, guitarsoverguns.org or havenstudios.org. Are you still doing mic and interface distribution for folks in the pandemic or is that kind of wrapped up? Oh man, that's that's never stopped, which is man, been crazy. I just been handing out microphones and and interfaces all over the city for like, you know what I'm saying, Black Santa Claus. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was one of those know? like really cool, tangible first things if in this pandemic adaptation that I saw that I was like, Oh, this is a good again, a good model of like we're not just gonna drop everything and pretend that there aren't ways to continue the things that people are relying on and just use it as an excuse. You know, pretty quickly for those who don't know, you you through donations and other ways built this like stockpile of microphones and interfaces and then dropped it off so people could record at home. If people have equipment or money for that, how can they get that to you? What's the best way for that? Through social media. Um, I've been really good at just keeping track at uh just people interacting and and sending stuff and that way I could also be accountable for it. So yeah, add to the MC. Just hit me up. I'm I'm pretty good at figuring out how to meet up. About to get it. I done drove all over the city <laughs> and outside of the city. So, you know, we could just figure out a meeting ground and, and and swap out. And I think but it's been one of the most fulfilling things too, especially during this time when there was so much going on and so many people couldn't get out to record and but it also helped them to grow as as artists too, because now they had a ability to to express themselves at home yeah which is great that's beautiful speaking of at home recordings let's get out of here i'm tired of sitting in my closet uh <laughs> we're at ergo radio i'm at ergo kiss i'm at dama underscore af and we'll be back on the line continuing our mentorship suite uh next week much love to the people peace yep yep one two one two yeah there you go there you go uh uh okay yo Yo, yo, okay, uh, add two, yo, 
My flow is like several different levels of hell With seven different devils with sharp shovels in hand To sever your head, my skill will still kill at will It's real tight, it's still your will Like Vivian, Uncle Phil, I'm fat I feel like I'm feel like Like Phil Collins, I'm damn near here I can feel it in the air Got my own holiday, kill a stupid little rapper day Celebrate it every year, every month, every day Anyhow, but anyway, get a beat and get up in it Sitting in my circle, you can't stand it Cause you ain't up in it Guess my name is Simon now the way these cats is mimicking it in the minute that I enter, center, 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 swimming. Skip the nonsense, a mosh pit of dual face. Come crush the builders, Godzilla dudes. Wait, ring, ding, ding, the alarm, cause I'm coming. Sworn they from Africa, fast these dudes running. No need to put the gun in. I'ma kick his ass like a pig skin, and I'm the white boy punting. Don't place your face in the place it won't look. Souls coming straight for your head like your face was George Bush up. Yeah, cause little homie just stopped. Cause if your body don't drop, then your body gon' drop. And I don't quit there. No, sir, I don't stop. Watch the bodies hit the floor like a party fit to start. You can't fade me or phase me. I'm Hades like. You so, you don't pay with his ladies night. You lady like. Add to the one your lady like. I make it look easy. You hate me, right? Well, I hate me too. See me making it fast. I'm grabbing the cash and the stash while I'm making the dash. You hate no ad. It's making you mad. We used to blame the broke chick you stayed with that probably carried your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Add to 